everyone. Welcome to the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast. I'm your host, Chris Cato. And today I'm very pleased to be joined by a special guest for this special edition of the podcast. And I think you might recognize today's guest. He is a former Formula One driver. And of course, nowadays is most recognizable with his work with Sky Sports F1. You'll most likely be hearing his voice a lot on Sundays, whether you're watching the world feed around the world. Of course, I am speaking of Mr. Karun Chandok, who's joining us today from the UK. Karun, really appreciate your time. How are you doing? Hi, Chris. Very happy to, to join you guys. I, I keep forgetting that you watch our coverage out in Canada. So, uh, yeah, I, I was wondering where you where you were going, but uh, <laughs> very happy to join you this afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's funny because we listen to you almost every weekend when you're at the race and we spoke to a former colleague of your or excuse me, your current colleague of yours, David Croft at the Racing Point launch. We've almost got the entire Sky Sports team on the Backmarkers F1 show. So really happy to have you. Now, today's conversation is going to be a little bit interesting. And I think a lot of people aren't exactly going to expect a direction of this conversation because you're involved with a, a very specific project that's actually close to home here to us in Ontario, Canada. So we're going to get to that in just a little bit later. But of course, we would be hard pressed to first not ask you about, of course, your racing career. And I'm really interested, Karun, because I know that your family has a pretty rich motorsport racing history. And I was wondering, how did you really start off in motorsport? And at the end of the day, really, was it inevitable that you were going to end up in motor racing? Well, I, I grew up in India. And um, as you as you touched upon there, my family were in motorsport. My Dad used to race and rally since the early 70s. Um, before that, you know, my grandfather, my grandmother uh, all competed. So, um, you know, I, I grew up in a motor racing family. We ran a car workshop. So I grew up around cars and, you know, rolling around on the mechanics trolleys underneath cars and tinkering with spanners. And, you know, so I grew up in that environment. But you know, my family never pushed us or pushed me in that in the direction to get involved in the sport. It, it was an absolute choice. You know, for example, my brother, who, you know, we grew up in the same house, same parents, same environment, um, same extended family. And he had no interest in motor racing and had no interest in being a racing driver. So for me, it was very much a, a personal choice. And um, I, I just loved it ever since I was a kid. And so, uh, but obviously at the time growing up in India, we had no real infrastructure that we have today. You know, there wasn't a single go-kart track in the whole country. And so, you know, I, I had a cart, which I used to just drive in our family workshop in between the customers' cars and things like that. Um, but it wasn't racing, you know, it wasn't competing. So uh, I only started when I was 16. So I did one season of racing in India. And um, somewhat bizarrely, I haven't raced in India ever since. It's been 21 years now wow. since uh, I raced in India. So uh, it is a bit strange. But I then, you know, very quickly moved to, you know, I won the championship in India, went raced across Asia, won the Asian championship, and then moved to the UK to race, um, you know, race on the ladder to F1, so to speak. So, you know, F3, bit of World Series by Renault, and then um, some A1 GP, and then eventually did GP2 and, and F1. So... Um, it's been a, it's been an interesting journey. I think, you know, as a driver, you have different phases of your life. You have your, you know, career, that's your path to F1, wherever that might take you. You have your period in F1, however long or short that might be. Uh, and then you have your post F1 career, um, in terms of driving. And for me, that was to go into Le Mans and GT racing and various, you know, the world sports car championship and things like that. Um, and, and then in parallel and, beyond that will be 
life outside of the car. And that includes, for me, television and, and racetrack design and, you know, work with the governing body of the FIA and with Motorsport UK here in England. So, um, you know, there's there's lots of... Um, I've been very lucky to work in in the sport in in lots of different ways. Yeah, that's a great story, and it's awesome to see also being able to make a career outside of the race car as well. And you've been very successful, of course, with your TV work, and as the discussion of today's episode as well, with some of your work with tracks around the world. And you raced eleven races in Formula One, and just like you mentioned, Le Mans and other series as well. I know it's really hard to pick, but would you say what would be your fondest memory of your motor racing career? I'd probably pick three. I mean, unsurprisingly, it's a question that often gets asked. Um, so I've kind of narrowed it down to three over the years. One is uh, winning the GP2 race in Spa, which was really special in 2007 because I'd had a tough couple of years where I'd run out of money, had no sponsorship, basically was about to stop. My, my driving career was about to end. And um, got a last-minute deal. I was the last driver to sign on the grid in 2007, joined the team who finished last the previous year. Um, but we worked hard and we came forward and then, you know, I won a race at Spa, which is a, a fantastic circuit to win at. And so that was cool. Um, going to my first Formula One race as a driver in 2010 um, was very special, of course. It was a culmination of a dream. You know, I mean, uh, ever since I was a child, I wanted to be a Formula One driver and it, it was coming true. And I guess the third one's got to be um, going to Le Mans for the first time in 2012. Uh, to be the first Indian to compete in the 24 hours of Le Mans was, um, you know, something I'm very proud of. And uh, it is just a magical race, absolutely magical race. So my next question would just be before we move on to the uh, local track here in Ontario that we want to discuss is you got a unique perspective, of course, being able to travel to all the races now this season in 2021. And we're talking about it almost on every podcast of just how great this 2021 championship is. Can you give us a feel of what it's like at the tracks when you go to these championship battles? I mean, what are your thoughts so far on the Hamilton Verstappen battle? From us watching at home on TV, it just seems epic so far. It's been a fantastic season, hasn't it? I mean, if you think back to the great seasons of Formula One, and I, I think of, you know, 86, 97, 2010, 2012, we've, we've always come back to the point of having multiple teams and multiple drivers competing for the world championship. And, and that's what we've got after such a long time. There's somebody challenging Mercedes, genuinely challenging them all the way to the end. We had Ferrari in 2017 and 2018, but it never quite carried through to the end. Um, and this is this is great because as we sit here today, nobody knows. Red Bull don't know, Mercedes don't know, the, the fans don't know, we don't know as television commentators who is going to be the most competitive team in Austin. And and that's great. You know, I love rocking up to a, a track. And often, even you know, after Friday practice, we still don't know who's going to be the best team when we get to qualifying in the race. And um, that's what we want. And, you know, there's been drama, there's been controversy. They've, the two title rivals have crashed into each other. The two team bosses have been throwing mud at each other in the press. And uh, it, it's got all the ingredients of, a, of an excellent F1 season. I mean, if I look back, I think maybe one of the Austria races was a little bit dull. But apart from that, every single Grand Prix has been, been brilliant this year. 
Wonderful. And we just sorted out some connectivity issues, and I'm going to bring in my fellow co-host, Tyler McDonald, as well. Hey, Kareem, hey sorry about that. Uh, the issue's coming there, but uh, nice to meet you, and good to see you. Everything going well? Yeah, yeah, all good, thanks. Good, good, good. Yeah, and just hearing your comments on on the championship there, I mean, it, it is one of those very special seasons that we've had this year. I mean, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for something like this. And Sebastian, Sebastian Vettel got us so close uh, a couple of years back, and uh, we had a little taste of it. But it, it, don't you find it's something special with Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton with the, the incidents that have happened, as you mentioned, and the rivalry that has kind of started and has been portrayed between the two, even though they don't seem like on camera, they, they have that little rivalry and have been very tame to each other. There seems to be that competitive edge that, you know, these two want to beat each other and have that, uh, don't want to be the ones that, that lose the title. Listen, these are the two best drivers in Formula One today. This, and I think we're in a very, very privileged position as fans of the sport, you know, irrespective of whether I work in it, but we're all ultimately fans of Formula One and motor racing. We're getting to see two of the best drivers of their generation compete against each other in cars, which are really equal. You know, we've now been through most of the season. We're now 16 races into the season. And the average qualifying gap between them is less than 0.1%. If you look at the all of the dry qualifying sessions we've had, that's amazing. You know, these are two teams building bespoke cars with... 1,500 people doing the chassis and engine side. No ideas are crossed over, and yet they are so, so closely matched. And I think we're just, we're just super lucky to have a season like this. And um, I, I'm, I'm, you know, we, we all get to the track on a Thursday, Friday. We're all pumped to see just how the weekend's going to play out. And so are the drivers, and so are the engineers. You know, you just need to talk to... I was talking to Adrian Newey in Turkey, and um, you know, people like Andrew Shovlin and Mercedes, and they're all enjoying the battle. They're all enjoying coming to work and having to really dig deep and find solutions and try and keep an edge in the competitive battle for themselves and their drivers and their team. So um, I, th I think everyone in Formula One is really enjoying it. because, And it's also not just about the top two, right? You know, we've seen Lando have a great season. We've seen Ferrari make a good recovery science has settled in quickly and got some good podiums uh, on the board for himself. Um, Ocon winning in Budapest, that was a, you know, a slightly mad race. We had Lewis starting on his own and all that sort of stuff. Um, and Daniel winning in Monza, you know, we've, we've had some really, really good races and good stories, even outside the top two. Yeah, it's been an absolute joy to watch. And for some of the newer generation fans, I mean, Tyler and I have been following Formula One since the early 2000s when we were a little bit younger. So we don't necessarily remember Hakkinen and Schumacher and, of course, before then, Senna and Prost. So this is our modern day Senna and Prost, if, if you look at it that way. So it's been an absolute joy to watch. So, yeah, it's very cool to hear to hear your thoughts on it. And I'm glad you're enjoying it as well from trackside.
we could talk about the 2021 season, I'm sure, for a good couple of hours, but I know your time is short today. So let's move on now to the motorsport project that you're involved with here in our co- home country in Canada, the Oro Station Motorsport Motorsport Circuit. Now, it was announced a few years ago the provincial government were going to invest in this 500,000 square foot motorsport facility with a racing circuit built on it as well. So they're going to have a, it's a whole motorsport development park with different technology centers. And of course, the main part of interest today is the circuit for us. So I'm just curious, Karun, when did you first hear about this project? And what exactly were they looking from you in terms of your expertise to help them with track development? So I work um, with a company called Brivin International here in the UK. I've worked with them um, now for about four years uh, as a consultant, as essentially the, the driving a driver consultant on all of their projects, and you know we've we've done a variety of projects um, across the world, really, so in North America, the Middle East, as well as, as Asia, and so they got in touch with me and said, look, there's um you know there's this, this site basically, there's a there's a plot of land in Canada we're looking to design a circuit on and the where my involvement has come is um really just offering my perspective on um the the track layout using my experience you know I've, I've now driven at 87 circuits around the world and wow. visited visited I don't know how many others where I haven't driven so um you know I've been able to draw on that experience and say you know why don't we do a chicane here like the Ascari chicane or why don't we do a corner like turn nine in Bahrain or you know things like that so and that's how I started working with them and and when the project kicked off in um at Oro Station uh, that is a similar thing so we you know we looked at the basic layout on on a piece of paper essentially on 2D and we we sketched out different layouts and then we the first step is um you know, we sort of come up with three or four different track layouts, and then we we pick and choose the best of all of those into one single layout in 2D, and then we create a CAD drawing out of that. Um, and then really where my, so, you know, I have, a, I have a bit of an involvement in all of that, but really my my real involvement starts with the next step where we build a sim model for it. Um, so I've got a simulator here in my office. Um, the guys at the track design uh, office at Driven have, have a, a lot of software where they build the track models and they send it over. And we, you know, we, we do these sessions where I drive the track and that's a really interesting process, right? Because you, you got to choose your vehicles properly. Um, you know, for auto station, we were using the formula two and the formula three cars as single seaters, but also you've got to make the track enjoyable for track days and for car clubs and for, you know, people who aren't experienced, professionals but are coming to enjoy just driving the track because actually as a revenue generator that's the bigger cash cow so um you know i've got car models of you know sort of your, your porsche and ferrari track day cars and, and gt sort of gt3 gte um prototypes as well so we we you know did um a bunch of days evaluating the track and then it's it's really interesting because when you drive the track on the sim, what we necessarily think about as being a good section of corners, for example, in 2D, doesn't always translate, you know? So we we ended up changing, for example, the last sort of one-third of the track. We, we completely redesigned after we did um, a bit of sim work. And in the end, I think we've come up with a, a really challenging 
layout, one that's safe, obviously, because that's an absolute priority in terms of, um, especially for, for amateurs doing track days. Um, but it's also one that's going to be good for racing. 16 turns in four kilometers. I mean, it, it's a pretty handy circuit to be going around uh, for any driver. Can you tell us about maybe some of the characteristics about the track and what makes it a little bit special? So the track is, you can sort of divide it up into, um, into the three sectors, I think. Um, and, you know, the first sector you've got obviously a very quick corner to start the lap and a hairpin, but, but it's a bit more open, you know, you go a long straight from turn two up to turn three. And, and again, after turn five up to the, the back hairpin. So it's, it's quite a fast open bit of track, um, with some decently long straights. Then the middle part of the lap is all about um, momentum through the corners. So there's a really flowing section of corners, um, a bit like the Suzuka S's actually, we, we were really thinking of the Suzuka S's. Um, it, it won't have the same, uh, level of elevation at Suzuka, but you'll certainly have the direction change. So, you know, as a driver or a bike rider, you've got to be really precise with the line and make sure you, you place the car in the right place. Um, it's, it's somewhat reminiscent of Austin as well, that, you know, the first sector in Austin where you've got that sequence of corners. Um, and then right at the end of it, we've got, we've, we've sort of created this slightly off camber, but sharp right hand hairpin uh, as well. So that, that creates a really tricky braking zone. Um, I ended up in the wall a lot when I was doing it on the sim <laughs> till, uh, till I got it right. Um, and then the last section, so that's sort of medium speed corners, you know, they're sort of your third, fourth gear, medium speed corners. And then in the last sector, we've got two very quick corners. Um, one is, you know, you've got the back straight and then you've got a fast right hander, a bit like Stowe corner at Silverstone. So, you know, quick high speed entry, slightly uphill, slightly blind entry. Um, and then another quick kink after that before we do a, a bank tap in to end the lap. So, um, yeah, I think the three sectors of the lap are are quite different. And um, as you said, there are a lot of corners uh, in, in some respect, but I think that's also got straights where you can let the car breathe and just let, you know, let yourself just relax a little bit and catch your breath. And I'm curious as well, because of just some of the things you were talking about there. And I think we saw in this year in the Formula One season, for example, some of the older school tracks like Zambort, for example, uh, Magello last year, for example, be a very big hit with the drivers because of some of the things you mentioned, negative camber corners or undulation, elevation changes. Of course, the bank corners of Zambort were a really big hit with fans and drivers. When these new tracks are being developed, not just specifically for Oro Station, but also, let's say, Formula One tracks, the new generation ones, do you think that that input is being put in there enough to say that we need some of these old school characteristics and not just, you know, kind of long DRS straights? We need we need elevation changes and, and to be like a roller coaster ride. Uh, the short answer is no. You know, I think uh, until recently, drivers have had very little input into circuit design. And... To be honest, that's why when Driven approached me and asked me to start working with them, uh, I was I was really excited to do it. And you know, we've done a whole bunch of projects now, and uh, including Abu Dhabi. You know, we've we've helped a little bit on the redesign, which uh, unfortunately that's a little bit like trying to renovate a house because you you you're always slightly limited by you can't move the hotel and you can't move the marina, so you you <laughs> yeah. kind of have to make do with what what you can. Um, 
but when you got a, a blank slate like we have at auto station then it's it's really interesting and i think as a driver you can offer perspectives that perhaps circuit designers can't have and you know little things like what corner should follow the previous one in order to enable overtaking and in order to think about where you would place place the car in either an overtaking move or a defensive move you know i think there's certain perspectives that only a driver with experience of a wide range of tracks can offer um and it and you know it's been really really good fun and i've learned a lot as well you know i've learned a lot about um for example through this process initially we were literally just making the ribbon of asphalt and, and testing it and actually over time our sim models you know we've gotten more and more detailed with it we've really focused on putting in the right curbs that we think should be put in the real track we've we've really focused on placing the barriers in the right place and you know it's interesting you know i i sometimes come out of the corner and i say to the guys i think that barrier is a bit too close for comfort i i wouldn't be happy as a driver on track seeing that barrier at the angle it is i know it might be okay on theory and it might pass the certifications but actually it doesn't feel very comfortable so we've we've now started even on our sim models really focusing on all of these other things as well you know making sure the runoff areas are realistic and the barriers are realistic so it allows us to fully evaluate the track layout before we submit it to the FIA for a homologation. I just want to talk about quickly just how hard it is to marry the ideas of it being a fun track to race around as a driver, but also, you know, provide very exciting overtaking and challenging kind of situations for the drivers to deal with as well. It is a real challenge. And, you know, this is where you need the input also of the, you know, the people who are running the project and owning the project. In this case, you know, Jeffrey Campbell is, he's a really passionate guy about motor racing in general. You know, he loves motor racing. He loves classic car racing. Um, and, and therefore he, he got it. He understood what we were trying to do here in terms of, you know, I, I have a list of things that I think all racetracks should have, you know, you need to have, good braking zones for overtaking. You need to have fast corners that challenge the drivers. You need to have, I think, interesting um, braking zones where you're sort of braking and turning, and that that in itself is a unique challenge. I think you need to use, um, you know, sometimes if a piece of land is completely flat, the cost of creating elevation changes is, is massive. So it's not really justifiable. However, you can make subtle changes with a camber in the road and make little crests and little elevation changes just on the braking, for example. Um, like at Le Mans, you know, Le Mans is actually quite a flat circuit, but there are certain places where you've got a crown in the road, you've just got a little bit of camber, um, like at Indianapolis, for example, or the Porsche Girls. And all of a sudden, it just makes it the best racetrack in the world. <laughs> and, um, you know, so it's those sort of things that, we've been able to to talk about uh, and input into the circuit you know i think it's nice to have some sequences of corners you know so it's not just 90 degrees 90 degree one after the other or a corner straight corner straight so um you know we we we've sort of gone through this checklist of things that um we believe all racetracks should have and and then ultimately though your your biggest factor into what the track looks like is the shape of the land 
You know, we design, at the moment we're designing a circuit in, in India, for example, which is a rectangular box, effectively, the plot of land. But it's, it's very long, but it's quite narrow. So you've got pinch points, you know, at certain places where you, you, you can't do a whole lot with the circuit. Um, and therefore that's created its own challenge, you know, and we're, we're now we've managed to think of different ways to make it work still. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, as I said, I, I'm pleased with what we've come up with at Oro. I think on the whole, you know, it has to fit in with the site master plan, right? You know, it has to fit in with where the, the pit building is going to be, where the hospitality is going to be, where, you know, if they're building residential properties or commercial properties and things like that, you know, the racetrack has to fit in with the overall project. And, um, you know, at the moment these days, of course, it has to make sure that it fits in with the overall environmental um, and sustainability side of, of things as well. You know, we got to look into things such as solar and, and you know, where are we producing energy and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, on the whole, you know, there are, a, there are huge complexities involved with designing a circuit. Absolutely. I mean, so much that I think we just learned in the past 20 or 30 minutes or so, because we see all these tracks popping up, but have absolutely no idea of the amount of work that goes in behind the scenes. Final question on my side, Karun, is... For us here as Canadians, and we love motorsport, but unfortunately, there are more hockey rinks in this country than there are motorsport venues. So anytime there's a project like this, we get pretty excited because outside of Formula One, you have some IMSA races at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. You have the IndyCar race and the street race in Toronto, which I've attended many times and is quite a favorite of mine, but it's not a designated circuit. Now, I know you mentioned that this is you're designing it, of course, in mind for just a track day driver and also a racing driver. But do you see that Oro Station possibly has the potential of maybe in the future hosting an IMSA or even an IndyCar category, possibly? Listen, you never say never, right? And ultimately, I think you you got to take things one step at a time. Um, and, you know, Jeffrey and the team at Oro need to to look at it from a, a business case as well, you know, and make sure that it, it works for them. But um, no, for me, listen, it, I've got a bit of a personal soft spot because my wife is from Toronto and, you know, it's, it's quite nice to be, as uh, so we, we visit Ontario, you know, once or twice a year. And, uh, you know, so it's quite nice for me personally to be doing a project that's close to her home and her family and things like that. And, um, you know, Canada's got, you, you, you've got, such a good history in in motor racing but it sort of bubbles under the radar doesn't it you know you um and and if 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 there's anything that i personally and and we as a community can do to try and uh, strengthen the sport uh, position um within canada i'm i'm, I'm very glad to do so because um, you know it, i just look at the headline even for example you know the canadian grand prix if I go up and down the, the paddock in Formula One and you ask people to name their top five races, Montreal is quite often in most people's top five. Um, it's just a fantastic event to go to. And um, I think what's clear is there's passion for motor racing in Canada. So if we can have another circuit um, in an area where, you know, I know most sports not too far away from Toronto, but it's in a, it's in a slightly different direction, isn't it? So um, you know, where this track is being built between Barry and Aurelia and with the Oro airport close by as well. Um, and the sort of flight school there, I think that they're, they're in 
a good location to try and just dra- drag a bit more motorsport into the area. And final one for me, Crudy, you mentioned the, the Montreal Grand Prix and Canadian motorsport flying under the radar. Just I want to get your opinion on where you see Canadian motorsports growing in the future with, um, you know, of, of course, these last two years of having the, the Montreal Grand Prix canceled is really, um, I'd say, put a, a, a dark spot on on. Canadian motorsport, but the growth we've seen through TV ratings has definitely been more of a plus than the negative in this situation. Where do you see Canadian motorsport growing? I feel like this is a question I should be asking you guys. I mean, you're <laughs> you're, you're on the ground and you're the experts. Um, listen, I, I, th- I think ultimately, you know, the more tracks you can have, the more you can hook people into it. Um, you know, you gotta you got to hook them in from a young age, from kids in karting to you know, going out with their parents and, you know, hopefully young boys and young girls are going out to go karting and by themselves, but also going with their parents to watch races and and get hooked into it and get addicted to it. And, you know, because it is a brilliant sport, but you have to experience it, uh, I think, firsthand. So the more tracks you have, the more opportunities they have to go and watch the sport and get hooked in. But I think you also need heroes, right? You know, at the moment you got Lance and, and, Nicholas in Formula One and, um, you know, hopefully they'll have the opportunity to, to be in more competitive cars. And, and as soon as you start to see them doing well, and maybe there are some other young Canadians coming through the ladder who, who could come along and do well, that makes a massive difference. You know, I, I just look at the, the race in Zanvo this year and what Verstappen has done for Formula One in Holland is Unbelievable. It's, I mean, I, I have never been to a sporting event like that in my life where um, the crowd was so, so partisan and behind one individual young guy who was 23 at the time. You know, he had the royal family queuing up to take his, to just shake hands with him. And the crowd were going nuts, but he just soaked up all the pressure. He delivered the pole, delivered delivered the win, um, and, and and you know that that is such a catalyst, right, for the sport in that country. You know they've gone Formula One mad. It's like thirty percent of the country stops on a Sunday to watch Formula One. It, it's it's nuts, and and that just shows the power of what a star driver from your country can do. And you know I, I wasn't. I, I wasn't around when, when Jacques was winning, you know, back in 96, 97, for example. So I don't know if it had a similar effect in Canada, um, but, but maybe that's what you need next, right? Is as soon as you have a, a Canadian star up at the front, that I'm sure will make a, a big difference. Yeah. I think a Canadian Max Verstappen would do uh, quite well with, with growing the sport here in Canada. And we, we do have actually quite a large Dutch audience as well. So um, we definitely uh, can, can, agree with that in terms of just how much support that they've shown just the entire f1 community as well it's it, it's pretty incredible so I, I think that's a good way to end karun uh we, we've taken i think a little more of your time but we really do appreciate you giving us your input on this project i think that we knew a little bit about it going into this interview but now we know a whole hell of a lot more but also just how these track designs come together and, and the building of these tracks. So we really appreciate your input and hopefully someday in the near future, we'll be uh, seeing you at the Oro station motorsport circuit. Yeah. I mean, because of the pandemic, I haven't actually been able to get to the site. Um, we had flights booked on three occasions, which we had to cancel, but 
Um, I'm actually hoping to get there next month um, for the first time and, and actually see the site in, in person. So uh, yeah, exciting times ahead. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll be uh, following your social media there if you uh, post any, any updates, but uh, thank you so much for your time again and uh, enjoy the rest of the 2021 season. Thanks guys. Thank you. So that won't be the end of, of course, our discussions on Oro Station Motorsports Circuit. I'm sure that we'll be doing some updates in the near future about the development of the track. Of course, not necessarily in our home city, of course, but it is in our home province, a couple hours away from our home location here in Ottawa, Canada. If you are a Canadian viewer, then I think that this was an especially interesting little podcast for you. So drop your thoughts down in the comments below on what you think of this uh, track development. And maybe if you live close to the area, maybe you've got some news to share with us about the ongoing construction so we'll be doing some further updates in the near future but for this episode i think that will wrap it up for episode uh, of the podcast with karoon chandok for tyler mcdonald i've been chris cato we really appreciate your time if you did enjoy this podcast give the video a like subscribe to our channel and also follow our podcast on audio platforms as well have yourselves a great day